and welcome back to Too Smart for This. I am so excited to introduce you all to today's guest, Chrissy Rutherford, who is an OG black girl in luxury, black girl in fashion, influencer, icon. I loved this conversation. And if you don't already know Chrissy, she is a digital creator that works with brands like Tiffany & Co., Jimmy Choo, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Farfetch. And prior to being a full-time digital creator, she was the special projects director of harpersbazaar.com, where she spent almost nine years. She has also worked at InStyle and Cosmopolitan. And in addition to her life as a creator, she is passionate about mental health advocacy and writes the newsletter Forward Joy. I love this conversation with Chrissy so much. She's someone who I've looked up to for a really long time. And so when we became mutuals, I was ecstatic and knew that I had to have her on the show. I am so grateful to Chrissy for coming on. And the knowledge that she drops in this episode is perfect for anyone who is excited about starting a career in the fashion industry, needs some advice about how to maneuver things in the corporate environment. If you want some fashion tea, we've got that. We also talk mental health and dating and Chrissy's European summer. So if you don't already, make sure to follow her. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for the chance to win a giveaway. And don't forget to follow both of us, both Chrissy and I, on social media everywhere. Um, That's where you can keep up with everyone. So with that being said, let's get into the episode and welcome Chrissy. Hello and welcome to Too Smart for This. I'm so excited to chat with you about your career, about astrology, about life, and really just like, I like to use this podcast as an excuse to talk to people that I think are cool on the internet, so can't wait to chat with you. Truly an honor. Yay! Okay, so I like to start with rapid fire questions, just so the audience, if they don't know who you are, can get a vibe. So... I think you'll like the first one, and then we'll continue. The first one is, what is your big three in astrology? Oh, I'm a Pisces sun, Taurus rising, and a Capricorn moon. Wow. Taurus? I didn't, I guess I knew about the Pisces, but I feel like the Taurus in there is kind of a lot. Well, I feel like we were DMing once, and you said something about me seeming like really calm and collected, and I was like, that's that's my Taurus rising. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. And then that Capricorn too. And then the Capricorn moon is like, I, I really attribute to why I've been able to accomplish what I've accomplished in my life because Pisces and Taurus are also known for like, I mean, not being like totally lazy, but a little. Oh, <laughs> that's the Capricorn coming up a little. Yeah, I, I, like I definitely feel that side of me. I definitely like to like chill out and like not do anything. Yeah, me too. I do too. But then I'm like, oh, my triple fire sign's like, oh, you don't want to do something? Let's be the best possible craziest person at not doing something. Like, yeah, and even like where I'm at in my life right now, I'm like, I don't want to work that hard. So hashtag soft life, the black girl luxury. <laughs> It's back. Okay. What is your hometown and where do you live now? So I'm originally from Bedford, New York, which is in Westchester County. For those who don't know, it's outside the city. People call it upstate, but it's not really upstate. <laughs> um, and now I'm in London. 
Oh my god, I'm obsessed with the Europe content. Like, it seems like everyone decided that they were going to Europe this summer, like, except me. But yours is my favorite. Man, thank you. Well, I think this is the first, like, real summer people have actually been able to travel. There's obviously, like, a lot less restrictions. So, uh, yeah, this is the summer to do it. Love it. We're going to talk more about it in a second. Mm -hmm. But what is something about you, about your personality, that makes you feel really smart? Oh, I think my ambition and my drive, like Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like that is what I typically lead with. Yeah, I feel like that, I feel the same way. And I feel like not a lot of people embrace that part of themselves. So we're already opening so many questions. Okay, so what is something about you and your personality that makes you feel superficial? In a good way, because I I have no problem with being superficial. I know, I... I'm like throwing it back to my Taurus rising. Like we love luxury and mm-hmm. I think luxury is something different to a lot of people. Like to me, luxury does not necessarily mean like designer stuff anymore. I think it did when I was younger, but now luxury to me is like freedom and time. Absolutely. Period. That Taurus luxury. Okay. In that, yes. in that same vein, what is your most important self-care practice? I mean, aside from therapy, which debatable, whether that really falls into the category of self-care, I would say journaling, which is, I've journaled like since I was in third grade. Oh, third grade? That is so Yeah, it's like writing about all the boys that I had crushes on. And yeah, it's a really important practice for me. I think especially like in tandem with therapy, because, you know, we only have therapy once a week. And so when I need to process things, um, you know, and it's not the day I have therapy, I take it to the journal. Same here. I journaled for like an hour this morning because I was like not in the mood because, but it had to be done. Okay. Final rapid fire question is what is the worst advice you've ever received? I mean, I guess this kind of needs context, but definitely the worst advice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how much detail I want to <laughs> give to this, but like, but in a work context of someone telling me that if I didn't want to take on this like extra opportunity, which would give me money, but not the amount of money that I was really worth that like, I should just say no, like I don't have to do it. But like this mm. person that was giving me that advice, like money doesn't mean anything to them because they're rich. So right. I'm like, so you're making, you're telling me that like, I should just take, you know, this like very small fee that was not even like a fraction of what I'm worth. Sorry. I'm like, it's so hard to explain, but it was, no, about, it was around branded, branded content as an editor. So it was like, oh, well you don't have to do it. And I'm like, but then I don't make money, but the money that they're offering is not what I'm worth. Exactly. I think especially people who like don't have any context of like money because they've sort of had it or grown up with it, which I can imagine was very prominent in the fashion world. Like it's very, it's like you can't always take advice from people without the same circumstances. Exactly. Um, It's like, actually, this does mean a lot. Like I do want ways to supplement my income, but I also want it to be respectful of what I know I deserve. I want to talk about your career and then astrology and then dating because all of those things are deep in your your brand. But your career is something that's really interesting to me because we don't see a ton of black women in fashion or who are out here just like who have had as many experiences as you have had. And you sort of center 
being a black woman at a lot of your content and with 2BG as well. So where did you start and how did you get to where you are now? Okay, so I had an interesting trajectory because I graduated college. I'm about to age myself. I graduated (laughs) from college in 2008, and that was when the recession was hitting. So I came out of college feeling very confident that I was going to be able to get a great job because I interned at Harper's Bazaar for two summers while I was in college. So, you know, I had made great connections there. I was like very much the star intern. And so full confidence. Like I'm going to get a great job taking the summer off to enjoy myself. But then of course, by the fall, the recession hit and it was just like, there were no jobs. So I really spent the first year and a half to two years out of college, like freelancing. I worked at a multi-label showroom as a sales assistant. I even like interned again and, you know, did all, all these little things to kind of like stay in the industry, even though they weren't on the editorial path that I wanted, but I knew I just needed to like keep my oar in the water. And I was very fortunate because I grew up right outside the city. So I had easy access. And thankfully I had very understanding parents who knew like I had a dream that I was working towards. You know, I lived at home and until like I actually got my first editorial gig and that was at instyle.com. And I got that job because of an editor I had interned for when I was at Bazaar. I literally ran into him on the street one night when I was going out with my friends in New York City. And, you know, we were chatting and I was like, I still don't have a job. And so he was like, okay, send me your resume. Like, let's talk after fashion weeks. I think it was like around August. And yeah, like a couple weeks later, he called me to come in. We talked and then he ended up hiring me um, as like a full-time freelance assistant. Wow. So first of all, connections necessary. But I think the real lesson here is that you like didn't settle for less than what you actually wanted, despite the world circumstances being terrifying at the moment, at the moment that you graduated. And so where did you, where did you get that drive? Why was it editorial? Like what, what did you, why did you want that, that career specifically? It was just like in my bones. I just knew since I was a teenager, I was obsessed with magazines. You know, I spent all my free time reading them cover to cover. Like it was also like always a fight with my parents because they didn't want me buying magazines. They would be like, why do you need all these? They're so expensive. And still to this day, I'm like, you guys owe me an apology because those (laughs) magazines that got me where I am today. But yeah, so then once I started working at InStyle, it's one of those situations where you could only freelance for a certain amount of time. It was like basically a year. So then I had to leave and again, like got thrown back into sort of like the freelance pool. I tried assisting stylists, um, thinking that that could be an interesting avenue for me. Cause I've just always, you know, really been into clothes and anything pertaining to style, but being a stylist assistant is so much hard work. I was like, I am not cut out for this. It's too much schlepping. I just, I couldn't. Um, and then luckily maybe, I don't know, it wasn't even a year, maybe about 10 months after I had left InStyle, an editor that I worked with while I was at InStyle went to bizarre.com to take over their website. And she called me and was like, what are you doing? Do you want to come freelance for a couple months? And so I went in there and she didn't really have a team yet. She had just hired like one fashion writer. So then she just fought to keep me and I stayed there for eight and a half years. Whoa, eight and a half years. (laughs) 
So the beginning of your career was certainly like a grind and also just like all Absolutely. over like all over the place. Like do you a lot of people listening to this are early in their careers? And so what advice did you have or what do you think got you through those moments that were like, this is some bullshit. I'm not gonna get coffee anymore. Yeah, I think it's really hard, you know, especially when you are a creative person and I think a lot of us are just like driven by the dreams that we have. And I think, you know, I always like to say I sort of manifested my career before I even knew what manifesting was. I just knew that this is what I meant to do. Didn't know exactly how I was going to get there, but I got there and, you know, I just, I tried to work all the angles that I could. Like, you know, I cold emailed people, I applied on the job board thingies, and I tried to keep in touch with the people that I interned for. And I think those are all like good, useful pieces of advice. And so now I'm curious, where did influencing and content creation come in to play? Well, obviously because I was an editor at Harper's Bazaar, it's one of the top magazines, and I have a lot of access. So of course I'm sharing my outfits. I'm sharing when I'm at like fancy parties, red carpet events, you know, I'm covering the Victoria's Secret fashion show backstage, all of those things. And you know, I just naturally like started to build a little bit of a following. I also ran uh, the social media account for Harper's Bazaar, the Instagram account. So Mm -hmm. we would, often do like little content shoots where maybe we take like one trend of the season and then each editor styles it their own way. And then like we would post, you know, those photos on the Instagram as well. So that was like back in the day when like, you know, if you, if a big account tagged you, you would get hundreds of followers in a day. Like that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, and then also just, you know, brands would ask to like shoot me for their little, like, you know, the little editorial section of their websites and things like that. So yeah, it just like grew over the years. And then of course, like I started getting more offers to do like real partnerships outside of the office, which of course became a point of contention. I remember your videos about that in June 20 or in like 2020 what was the vibe there so it was kind of like an not unspoken rule but there was never anything put in writing that editors explicitly were not allowed to partner with brands you would only you would only ever hear it from you know your manager supervisor etc which is kind of why I didn't really take it seriously because trust me I wasn't the only one like trying to do this so yeah, like someone would say something, but I'm like, unless they are putting it in writing, because I'm like, listen, they could nip this in the bud like really easily, send out an email to the entire company and say, editors are not allowed to do this, but they never did that. And I think the real issue was just that the people on the inside don't really understand the way influencer marketing works. And I think they kind of saw us like, cannibalizing our own business but i'm like those are two separate budgets what a brand is giving to a media partner is not the same budget that they are giving to an influencer right and then like there's also you know some people like try to make the argument of like oh what about journalistic integrity that doesn't exist like journalistic integrity does not exist in the magazine world i'm sorry but like the brands, the advertisers, they control the magazines. Like brands buy covers of magazines. Right. So, and honestly, 
I swear on my life, there was never a time where a brand that paid me outside of my job that I gave them preferential treatment in a story because I'm like, there's already been an even exchange. Mm -hmm. They paid me, I posted, it ends there. Exactly. It literally does. Like you don't talk to them afterwards, like unless they want to partner with you again later on. So you're over here, you have your full-time job, you're trying to do this influencing at the same time, Did but like you care deeply about both, right? Of course. And I think, yeah, if, if it hadn't been such a thing, then maybe I would have, mm, I don't know. There were a lot of other factors why I left, but knowing that there was all these outside opportunities coming in did give me the confidence mm-hmm. to know that I could walk away. It's interesting to watch that change from magazines because I think a lot of us who love like glamour and who love fashion and that type of thing, like I grew up thinking I wanted to be a magazine editor as well. And then I found out like about tech or whatever, like once I got to college, which like didn't exist at that time, like a lot of those people have ended up becoming influencers and influencing is like having your own channel with sharing things with the world. How does that compare to working in a traditional like fashion world and which one do you feel like, or I'm not gonna say which one is like better for you, but like what are the pros and cons of each? Well, I think the fashion landscape has changed so much over the years that I think the reason why I wanted to be a part of it doesn't really exist anymore because for me, it really was about the clothes and it was about the aspects of the industry. And now fashion aware, like publishing is concerned, I feel like is just heavily enmeshed with the entertainment world. And I don't really care about celebrities. So like having to write about what Kate Middleton was wearing today, or even, you know, what Gigi Hadid was wearing, like that Mm -hmm. didn't really interest me. And I really struggled with that. I did not enjoy doing that. I did not enjoy like interviewing celebrities on a red carpet. I'm like, I really don't care about these people. Like, like, sure, Gigi's cool. Like she's really a sweet girl and I love everything she's done in the industry. But like, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, this just isn't for me. This is not why I got into the industry, but I think it's it's really hard to make people care about fashion on the internet in the way that the fashion industry used to operate. It's like, it has to be tied to, okay, well, Bella Hadid was wearing this. Like mm. That's what makes people care now about fashion. That's sort of like, I think especially for like your generation, I feel like that's more of the entry point into fashion is like, oh, you learn about these brands because they're on your favorite celebrities or your favorite influencer. I spent my high school years literally on style.com every day, like clicking through Mm -hmm. every slide of a fashion show. And that's completely different now. So then it feels like your career had to change with that. Yeah. So that's why, you know, doing my own thing and being able to, you know, share all the different sides of me, because also like I care about a lot of other things than fashion. And, you know, I think if anyone follows me, they can really see that. Like I always say, you come to me for, for my outfits, but then likely you stay because of all the other things that I talk about, because I talk a lot about my mental health journey. I talk about astrology, uh, you know, and I talk just a lot about like living a really mindful life. And those are 
now like more important pillars for me than the fashion. Absolutely. And I think it's cool that you didn't like box yourself into being strictly fashion when you like left that when you left that world and you talked more about who you are as a person for one thing, but also like how you were dealing with the changing world. So whether it was like our 2020 protests and stuff and being like, how does this impact my industry and how can we talk about it to astrology? Like seeing you talk about astrology made me feel less like embarrassed of liking astrology (laughs) because I think a lot of girls feel that way because it's so annoying because like they're like, oh, women like something. It's lame, you know? Right. So I love, I mean, you have a newsletter now. You are on Instagram what made what made you start your newsletter and can you tell us about it if people don't know yeah so i have a newsletter called forward joy the name actually came from my dad it's his birth name but he changed it yeah it's, it's my dad's birth name and he actually like hates it like can't ever even like bring it up to him but i think like i don't know it just I always liked it. And then I was like in the context of an email because it's, I spell it as FWD, of course, like forwarding Mm -hmm. an email. So I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. Um, But I started that newsletter because, well, I used to write like a lot of very long-winded captions on Instagram. And as we know, it's like some people have, you know, the attention span for that and some people don't. And just wanting to also like dedicate more space to talking about my mental health journey, relationships, my career. And, you know, starting the newsletter, I think has been so therapeutic for me because I get to tell all these stories that like I've always really wanted to share with people and then being able to see how my stories help other people or just like make them feel less alone has felt so incredibly rewarding. It's like, I know that this is my purpose. And I think it's, it's honestly, I think with your mental health journey, I would also like to hear about that and how you got where it started, where you started realizing you needed to take that more seriously and what tools have helped you the most, obviously therapy and journaling, but sort of deeper into that, like what was the trajectory for you? Yeah, I know. I mean, my first panic attack happened when I was 13 years old. I was literally like on the school bus on the way to middle school. And, you know, if someone had told me when I was a teenager that like all of that pain and suffering I went through would be like the impetus for me to be able to help others, I never would have believed you. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I didn't know anyone else that was struggling with anxiety back then. So it's also really isolating because you feel like, wow, like I'm the only one going through this. No one understands how I feel. Like my parents, of course, tried to be as understanding as possible. They got me into therapy right away. Mm -hmm. But still, there's really no one you can go to. So also in many ways, it's like I want to be the person that I never had. And I want to be that example for other people and especially being a black woman and being in the career that I've had, like that was always a thing for me. Like, yes, I know my career looks super glamorous. I work for Harper's Bazaar. I'm traveling all the time. I get free gifts and this and that. I'm at fashion week, but I also struggle. 
I also mm-hmm. have to try like really hard to keep it together. Like I get panic attacks at fashion shows, like, you know, and I always want to be real with people because we've seen what's happened on social media over the years and how there's been just everyone is trying to put on their best face at all times. I'm like, even the like the wearing the filters 24 seven, I never wear filters. I'm just I'm not interested in creating any kind of air of perfection around me. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being just like everyone else. We all have our own shit. And the reason why we feel so much shame, embarrassment, and all of that all the time is because no one talks about the shit that they go through. So, you know, these things are all really, really important to me because I just think that mental health is so important. We put so much weight on like going to the gym and working out and this and that. But, you know, but working on our minds isn't isn't normal. Like, oh, you're crazy. Uh, No, (laughs) no. So, yeah, you know, I've been in and out of therapy over the years. Like I take breaks at times. I'm on my like, I don't know, like sixth therapist now I'm like what else helps me I think by the time I hit 30 I feel like I had like a pretty big shift in my awareness and perspective on life because of a tarot reader I started going to Mm -hmm. and that I think and also getting my birth chart read I swear I'm like for anyone who feels confused about life and where they're going please get your birth chart read please do literally like my knowing my birth chart has changed the game for me because I feel like not only like do I know interesting things about myself but I don't have Mm -hmm. to apologize for certain parts of my personality anymore and like yeah that's not to be confused with like if you're a bitch apologize for being a bitch but like (laughs) I'm a fiery very like moving fast impulsive person and so now that I know that I just like create my life around it and tarot so i just got into tarot well how does your tarot reader help you i think sort of in the same way i think it's just very affirming and you know i think in conjunction with therapy it it feels quite helpful because listen a therapist can only tell you so much they're leading you to like really come to your own conclusions and connect the dots in your life. Whereas, yeah, a tarot reader is gonna take it a step further and be like, this is what's going wrong. But like, the thing about tarot is they're never telling you anything that you don't already know. It's really just, they're literally reflecting what is going on inside of you. And so I think that became really helpful for me, especially as as I was, navigating a very toxic situationship which again I think was also like the impetus to like put me on this path that I'm on now because I realized how much like my self-worth was kind of like in the gutter and it's taken me a really really long time to sort of like unpack all the many threads of like why I view relationships the way that I do and why I act the way that I act with that in them and why I attract the type of partners that I've attracted. You know, I'm 36 and it's like, I'm still learning new things and trying to sort of like put all the pieces together. But yeah, learning, like reading a lot of Buddhist philosophy has helped me immensely i think anything you can do that gives you just like more perspective around life and 
you know, like I think it's really hard for all of us to really navigate change and uncertainty, obviously, like through the pandemic, I think all of us were faced with that. And I often feel that like Buddhist philosophy really gives me the tools to help me navigate those things without losing my mind. And we need that because I think all of these things are tools and whether or not you're interested in astrology or tarot or Buddhist philosophy, they still reflect things back to you, like you said, that can help you make sense of life and it can come from any form of figuring it out. But what you just need is having that mirror in some ways and also just expanding your horizons through that. And since you mentioned it, I do want to talk about dating. I love asking people about dating because I've have not dated. I've been with my boyfriend for like five years. I'm a ser- oh I guess I'm a, man- a serial monogamous, you could say. I don't know. But I don't okay. know what the girls are doing these days. And like all of my followers are like, we need help. Like what's going on out there? From what I can see, it, it looks ghetto to me. Like the way <laughs> men are treating girls these days, the meninist, the alpha male lifestyle. So how do you approach dating and like probably what's your biggest piece of advice of like all the years of dating experience you have to give to people about how to approach it? Dating is really hard and definitely hard for me because even though like I am a Pisces and I'm very much like a hopeless romantic, I think because of my Capricorn moon and I also have Saturn in my seventh house, which Ooh. yes, which creates delays in your love life. But it's also like the area where you kind of learn your biggest lessons. And definitely I would say I have learned my biggest life lessons through romantic relationships. But yeah, like throughout my career, like dating wasn't always super important to me. Like I dated, but this Mm -hmm. is also like, you know, I'm in my twenties, I'm in New York city. What the dating apps really started to pick up around like 2015, 2016. And like, I got on them, but I was never serious about them because I really always met men in real life. And that's really what I prefer, of course. Mm -hmm. And now of course it's like dating apps are a necessary evil. Like one of my friends who's a matchmaker, shout out to matchmaker Maria. Everyone should follow her if they feel confused about dating. She always says like not being on the apps is like not having an email address. Like, (laughs) you just gotta, you just gotta do it, you know? And yeah, I think I always put my career first. Like that was really, really important to me. And I don't know that I would have been able to achieve what I have if I had been in a relationship, not saying that people can't, I'm just saying for me personally, I do not think that I would have been able to like, and it's, it's in my birth chart, like straight up. So Yeah. So, and then like during the pandemic, I was living with my parents. So that was, you know, not really the time. And, and honestly, I was already kind of in the headspace of like wanting a break, like getting off the apps. Like, I just don't want to think about it. And obviously 2020, like my life was going through massive change. I left my job of almost nine years. You know, I'm starting to do content creation full time. I started a consulting company. Like there was just a lot happening. So I felt very content with where I was and like not thinking about dating. And then like just last year again, I've started to put more effort into dating in a way that I never have before. And, you know, to varying degrees of success, I'm still single, but (laughs) I spent a lot of time on TikTok and I can honestly say the dating advice that I see on TikTok is absolutely horrifying to me. 
I agree. I'm really concerned for this younger generation coming up. I'm really concerned around this narrative around like a high value man, high value woman. Like, get the fuck out of here with that it looks shit. It's so bad. It's so bad. It drives me insane. If you're confused, like walk away. If he wanted to, he would walk away. Like all of the all of the advice is really training people to be avoidant. And Ooh. also, if I can give one recommendation, it would be to read the book Attached by Amir Levine. I think it is very important to know your attachment style and be able to recognize it in others, but also don't pathologize it. Like you don't yeah. need to wear it like it's a personality trait because I do have anxious attachment, but the last couple of weeks, like I started dating while I was in London and I met someone who like, you know, for several weeks now, like has not made me feel anxious for a second. I honestly think the best advice is like, you need to learn to communicate what your needs are. This is a massive struggle for me. So like, I'm right there with you. Like I, it, it's just, it's really hard because mm -hmm. I grew up as like a very, very sensitive child to two parents who were extremely hardworking immigrant mm -hmm. parents and didn't really have time for my emotional needs. So it can be hard for me to communicate them to a romantic partner. Like that's the thing that I'm working on the most is like kind of just being really upfront about what I need. Cause I'm like, listen, at this point in my life, I'm like, there is not much that I need from a man. Like I don't need yeah. money from him. Like I have my own. I just want someone who can provide emotional support. Like that is the yeah. number one thing that I need. So I'm like, if you can't do that, then we then can't do that. Work. Exactly. Yeah. And I think identifying what you need in a relationship is crucial because I think a lot of girls that I'm, I see or I'm friends with just want a relationship for the sake of having one so that they can like feel like they checked off a box without understanding. Yeah. And so they'll like be with a guy who's like a complete asshole and doesn't really like match them at all just so that they can say they have a boyfriend. So I think that's a good like piece of advice, like figure out what you need and then like don't expect something else from people when you're yeah. in that dating pool and even like figuring out what you need is i think really hard like it's oh yeah it's taken me to like today to figure out like you know every day it's like i'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together but yeah it's like i see you know i see so much stuff on on social media and it just like makes me really sad because i do think it really does seem like girls are having a really hard time and they're getting mistreated and putting up with a lot of shit that they shouldn't. And listen, we kind of all have to go through, go mm -hmm. through our own shit to like, you know, to really like learn these lessons. But I think at the end of the day, it's like worrying about whether something is going to work out or not. It's like, you kind of have to just like give it up to the universe. Like if exactly. this thing is going to work out, it's going to work out. And there's nothing you can do to like force someone to stay. That's not meant to be in your life. And so every time like something doesn't work out, even if I am like, you know, feeling upset over it, I'm just like, listen, this person is not meant to be in my life. That's, that's it. Because I, I am someone who really like with each like guy that I've been involved with, I really try to find like the lessons and like, what did I learn? Like, yeah, just like what information have I gotten about myself? Because we learn the most about ourselves, period. 
through our relationships with other people. And so I do really try to look at it like that. And I don't know, I feel like so many of the guys that have come into my life, it feels like they did come into my life for a reason, even Mm -hmm. if it was bleeding, you know, even if it ended really horribly, but there's always something for me to like take away from that as I move forward. I think that's really comforting for a lot of people too, especially when you are in a a stressful situation. And when it comes to learning about yourself through relationships, I can also see that like happening in your career relationships or in your friendships or the environments you grew up in. And I'm curious for you as, from what I think I know about Westchester, it's a very white (laughs) place. And the fashion Mm -hmm. industry is similar to that. And I grew up Mm -hmm. in a super, you know, white environment. The schools I went to were very white. Tech is very white. How do you feel about like, building on your identity when you were in those places and like how did that change things for you and allow you to build your own confidence despite being like often the only black girl in the room I wish I could explain it but I think from a very young age I have always had like a very healthy dose of belief in myself despite the fact that I was the only black girl in the spaces that I moved through. Like I wrote about this in my newsletter last year at some point, but like my senior year um, of high school yearbook quote was, think highly of yourself for the world takes you at your own estimate. And I think that has, I don't know where I found that quote. You were out there, you you were thinking. (laughs) I don't know where I found that quote, but that really is how I carry myself. I'm like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what they think I'm worth because I already know what I'm worth. Listen, for most of my adolescence, I felt very comfortable in all white spaces because that was all I knew, right? And that has obviously changed a lot as I've gotten older, as I moved to New York City. But I think it's that thing of like, yeah, like maybe in the in the fashion industry, people don't want want black women around or black people around. But I'm like, guess what? I'm here and exactly. I'm going to take up space and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Like, that's just that's the only way I know how to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like You don't want me here. Well, guess what? I'm going to tap dance in your face because I'm here. I saw a quote from. Lindsay Peoples Wagner last week that was like, mm-hmm. I never feel imposter syndrome in these spaces because I know that I'm like smarter than a lot of the people who got this job easily or whatever. Or like, I don't know, like, I think we're expected to feel like we're smaller. And then when we show up with confidence, it's taken as we're like crazy or something like that. Like, did you ever get feedback like that? Because that's something I'm dealing with at the moment of like, I do have enough confidence in myself, but people are not really ready to handle that. Yeah, I I mean, in the imposter syndrome thing, I'm like, I actually made a video about this like a month or two ago. Like, imposter syndrome is just not something I subscribe to. Like, I get, like, I think that's something that people have like pathologized and are wearing it like a personality. Like, it's okay to like doubt yourself. Like, we all do at times, mm-hmm. but like, don't, live in that story but I don't know I don't I I, I'm like I honestly sort of feel like I'm the type of person that like people are sometimes low-key scared of and that could very well also be because I am black and but I'm also just I'm not ever scared to like say how I feel 
Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. It's like people are like, wait, she's talking? Like she's allowed to do that? Like even if it's maybe I'm not like disrupting a meeting, but like I'm going to pull someone aside or I'm going to send an email and be like, hey, listen, like this wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to do. I think having that confidence, like I even feel just more inspired by having it. I think a lot of black women have it because you're smart. Like you already know that. So let's just like act like it, you know? I'm just like, I I feel very comfortable in my skin and who I am and what I believe in. And yeah, I just, I, I move as such. I mean, think highly of yourself. What was it for the world? <laughs> for the takes world you at your own estimate. So that's what you have to do. And so I'm curious for some tangible recommendations for the girls who Mm. would love to know what are some, okay, three top like favorite books you've read that I think are like changing your mindset. I would love to hear. Yes. Well, Attached by Amir Levine, which I already brought up, but Mm -hmm. that is an absolute must read for like all humans who are, who relate to other humans. Like it's just a must read. I really love A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, Mm -hmm. but I will say that is not a beginner's spirituality book. You kind of have to read some other stuff because I think otherwise it could be very hard to digest. But like an easier one that I think, oh, The Four Agreements. I know like these are books that, you know, people like probably see all the time and they're like, oh yeah, 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 like I'll read that. And honestly, I think a lot of times with spirituality books, like sometimes they find you when you need it. I will order like a lot of books and, you know, I won't touch them for months or, you know, years, whatever. And then it's like when you, you you read it when you're ready, but the four agreements I think is a really great, like beginner's spirituality book. Okay. Fabulous. We love a recommendation. Okay. Do you have any beauty skincare recommendations for us like one thing you do that everyone needs to be doing i don't know not really i mean i love i mean i can't live without liquid eyeliner which i'm really wearing right now but it's like my absolute go-to because i just my number one thing is like always to play up my eyes and i just Mm. love the way liquid eyeliner looks Fabulous. It's good to know what works for you and your face. 100%. Yeah. I love to see it. Okay. Now, I think it's, I think I have mostly all of my questions down. I feel like so many people are going to love this episode because we touched <laughs> on so many fun things. Uh, and you gave great recommendations throughout the whole thing. Oh, thank you. Of course. So I do like to end my shows with the same question I ask everyone, which yeah. is, Finish this sentence with something that you want other mainly young people to know. You're too Mm -hmm. smart for. You're too smart for playing small. We love to see it. Okay. This was so helpful and also just like inspiring to see you fully being yourself and like inspiring others. And it makes me feel like there's more hope for me because this influencer industry is tough to navigate 100%. So Trust me. I I mean, I know I I feel it myself at times, but you know what I think is really important is knowing the value of what you create. Like do not get caught up in the clout because I think it's very easy to do that and think like, oh, well, like I'll just partner with this brand for free because they're going to get me here, blah, blah. Like 
And maybe I like, you know, I also, of course, like have a little bit of a different perspective because I've worked in the industry, but you also have a job in the industry. Like, you know, so I'm like, you, you have to be really confident in the value of what you create. Like, I don't ever worry about like, oh, like this person, you know, is doing this or like, I'm not comparing myself to other creators because I'm like, no one does what I do the way that I do it. Exactly. And that's so tough to remember sometimes, but I'll take that m- reminder today. No one does what you do like you do it. The way you do it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can everyone find you, all of your information so they can follow you? At Chrissy Ford on all platforms. Love to see it. Subscribe to her newsletter. Are you writing a book? I've been talking about wanting to write a book. I'm hoping that some of my essays from my newsletter, I will be able to turn into a book. And I will be purchasing it. So love to see it. Manifesting that. Manifesting. Thank you. Thank you.